Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Lavinia. Welcome to There She Goes, where women writers share true stories of travel. Their stories, their experiences, told in their own voices. One of the reasons we started this podcast is that the first time Kelly and I met, we told each other travel stories. We were complete strangers, but after spending just a few hours trading stories about experiences in Morocco and South Korea, Italy and Greece, we were friends. Our travel stories connected us. We recognized them as important. And we came away from that first meeting feeling validated and inspired. This is the power of women's personal travel narratives. Consider our storytelling podcast a brand new passport, transporting you every week to a different place for a brief escape, sometimes far away, other times closer to home. Consider our storytellers your brand new travel friends, your sidekicks and sisters and guides. Or even therapists. And consider this your chance to hear some of the stories you may have missed. There She Goes is that simple. No chit-chat, no interviews. Just great storytelling by women travelers. We invite you to settle in for the adventure. Today we travel to Sicily with Anne Leary as she and her husband Dennis face their fears in search of the Godfather, drive the terrifying autostrad, get lost on nearly vertical switchbacks, and hike up Mount Etna where she notes lava could erupt at any moment with zero warning. Anne's best-selling novel, The Good House, has recently been adapted as a motion picture. The film, starring Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Kline, will be released soon. Her New York Times essay, Rallying to Keep the Game Alive, was adapted for the Amazon Modern Love TV series and stars Tina Fey and John Slattery. She is currently working on a new novel and a collection of essays for Simon & Schuster. Her work has been translated into 18 languages, and she has written for numerous publications, including Plowshares, NPR, Real Simple, and The New York Times. This is Anne Leary reading The Godfather Town. My husband Dennis and I aren't big travelers. When we do take a trip, we usually go to Italy, but we like to float other options first. Why not Istanbul, I'll suggest. We never did that African safari, Dennis says, and we carry on with this charade for a few days, tossing out increasingly implausible ideas as if we're the kind of tourists who get their kicks trekking through Colombian cocaine plantations or paddleboarding in shark-infested waters. We're not adventurous. We're afraid of pretty much everything, but mostly we're afraid to visit places we might not love. We already know we love Italy, so we go there. We're not Italian, but we understand the Italian language, and because of ravioli and the works of of Scorsese and Coppola, we feel a sort of complicity with the Italian people. We're practically Italian as far as we're concerned. So especially in recent years, our European holidays have been to Italy, Venice, Rome, Florence, Tuscany, the Amalfi Coast, and most recently, Sicily. When I said that we understand the Italian language, I didn't mean to imply that we understand all the words, no. What I mean is we understand that we are hearing the Italian language when it's spoken, not all the time, but most of the time, especially when we're in Italy. I do know a few words and I'm constantly trilling buongiorno, grazie, and permesso at hapless waiters and passersby, gesticulating wildly all my accents on the wrong syllables and my spittle bouncing off the wrong consonants. Dennis just says, how's it going? 
to everybody, everywhere. For our Sicily trip, we rented a car in order to drive around and see the sights, even though an Italian friend had advised against this. Most Americans find the autostrade a little intimidating, she had warned. We are not most Americans. So we insisted on the rental car, and on our second day, we drove off to find a scenic town a man named Enzo had told us about. We'd met Enzo on a beach that morning, and he'd informed us that we were just a short drive from the most scenic of all Sicilian towns. It is the town in The Godfather, the film The Godfather, Enzo had proclaimed. And then we had to go see this real Sicilian town, this amazing Godfather town. So we jumped in the car and set off. The road was winding and a little scary at first. I could see how some Americans would be frightened. This isn't so bad, I said to Dennis as he drove along. I think it's sad that people are so limited by their fears because you can't really experience a place until you drive its roads, just like we are. Really, it's only by poking along the byways and in and out of the sleepy villages off the beaten track that one may really get to know a place. Dennis told me I was blocking his view. He was trying to pull out of the long, steep driveway we'd just ascended. I had thought we were on a road, but it was the driveway from our hotel. Nothing coming this way, no, no, stop, I said as motorcycles whizzed past. The road we were entering was narrow. It was hard to see approaching cars because of all the curves. Okay, go, 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 no, 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 wait, I screamed. After a truck flew past, I shouted, go, 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 stop. Sit back so I can see, Dennis said through clenched teeth. Then he steered us onto the road and we were off. The thing to do when you're traveling in unknown places is to get lost right off the bat. That way, you get it over with and you don't have to worry about it anymore. We tried to enter the autostrade heading north, but instead found ourselves ascending steep, sometimes seemingly vertical switchbacks that brought us to the lovely but very congested town of Taormina. We could see how others might think driving in Sicily is scary, but we weren't afraid. We said this quite a few times as we sped through tight turns, the road dropping off thousands of feet beside us, a honking bus on our tail and motorcycles flying past us from the opposite direction. Once we got on the autostrade, it would be better, we assured each other, and then we entered the autostrade. Apparently, when they built the autostrade on this part of the Sicilian coast, the tunneling through mountains and cliffs became too tiresome. So they engineered a sort of Jetson-style space highway. You just speed along at 90 miles per hour on a twisting, turning superhighway, suspended thousands of feet, oh, I beg your pardon, meters above the land or sea below. I really don't mind driving across bridges because bridges have fences or walls to keep cars from falling off. The autostrada has a little guardrail. Do you know how easy it is to flip a car over a guardrail? Dennis does. I know because I asked him. My head was buried between my knees, but I was able to shout, do you know how easy it is to flip a car over a guardrail? Do you know you just have to touch the rail with your tire and you'll, yeah, thanks, got it, he said. We eventually climbed a long, narrow road that led us to the hilltop village of Savoca. In addition to being one of the locations for the Godfather, Savoca is a beautiful medieval village with ancient stone walkways and views of the surrounding countryside and in the distance, the Ionian Sea. Though the village was relatively empty when we arrived, we'd since eaten lunch in a cafe, and in that time, a tour bus had pulled up in front of the Church of San Nicolo, the church where Michael Corleone and Apollonia were married. We decided to have a quick look inside before the others crowded in. While I was trying to force Dennis to take my photograph in front of the church, an older man approached me with a shawl and a smile. He had other similar shawls draped across his arm. I admired them politely, but told him I really wasn't in the market for a shawl. 
He ignored me and continued to thrust his wares at me. And I admit, I got a little huffy. I wasn't going to be hoodwinked into buying a shawl. I was there to see the Godfather Church, if he didn't mind. He did mind very much. He pointed angrily at a placard that said in both Italian and English that the Church of San Nicolo is and has long been a house of God, not just the Godfather Church, and that those entering are asked to show respect by covering bare shoulders and legs. He wasn't selling the shawls, he was loaning them. I apologized profusely, pulled a sweatshirt out of my bag and put it over my sleeveless top. Then we followed the tour bus crowd inside. The next day, we hired a young guide named Luca to take us to visit Mount Etna, mostly because he would do all the driving. We'd heard it was a lovely hike to the summit. On the way, Luca told us about Mount Etna's previous eruptions, some of which had happened during the past half century. The most devastating recent eruption was in 1992 when lava flowed down the mountain, threatening various towns and destroying numerous buildings. You can see Mount Etna for miles. It smokes. It's a heavy smoker. But somehow we hadn't understood until Luca informed us that the volcano was still active and could erupt again at any moment. I think we might be going to the wrong volcano, I suggested hopefully. Not far from the base of Mount Etna, is the village of Zafarena. Luca wanted us to see this village where a miracle had happened not once but twice. We wondered if the miracle somehow involved the Godfather. Perhaps the actress who played Apollonia was discovered there, or Al Pacino bought everybody around a Sambuca in some crowded restaurante. In fact, holy miracles happened in Zafarana. According to one legend, one of the most serious Mount Etna eruptions occurred in the 17th century. The villagers of Zafarana, upon seeing the lava flowing toward their homes, prayed to the Virgin Mary and carried a statue of her to a point in the lava's path just above town. It was at that very spot that the lava stopped. So when the 1992 eruption occurred, the townspeople again carried a statue of the Blessed Mother to the place where they hoped the lava would cease. And again, the lava stopped flowing there. Luca parked next to a cottage at the bottom of a steep hill, and we climbed out to see where the miracle transpired. He pointed to a wide ridge of hard volcanic rock, a former molten lava tsunami that snaked down a long slope and ended right behind the cottage. Dennis and I were marveling at how close to the house the lava had come. Luca seemed to mistake our horror for fascination. Today, You'll only climb Etna, but tomorrow or another day, you must book a cave tour, he said. You wear a harness and are lowered into tiny cracks in the side of a volcano, very popular. He mentioned something about another tour that involved jeep rides along the live lava trails, but he'd lost me at the part about lowering tourists into an active, smoldering volcano. Had these people never heard of Pompeii? I imagined a tour guide centuries from now perhaps a descendant of our own Luca, guiding tourists through the archaeological site where we now stood. I imagined him showing the group a recently unearthed finding, the remains of a couple so perfectly preserved you could read their American passports. I imagined the looks of disgust as he explained that nearby were the remains of two young children crushed by the American tourists who'd trampled them in their attempt to flee the flowing lava. Nevertheless, after leaving Zafarana, Dennis and I decided to hike a little way up the volcano. It wasn't that we were afraid to climb all the way to the top, to the part that smokes where lava could erupt at any moment with zero warning. It was merely that it was midday and hot. Otherwise, we would have gone up to the top. The landscape on Mount Etna in September is eerie and lunar, 
mostly barren, but with surprising waves of color from wildflowers that grow here and there in the black volcanic soil along the steep path. When we reached the summit of one of the lower craters, a couple of hippies were there sitting against their backpacks smoking a joint. I've climbed a few small mountains and hills, and in my experience, there are always hippies smoking a joint at the summit. Dennis wanted to get a photo of me. Back up, he kept saying. I backed up. Just a little more. Back up. A little more. The hippies laughed and laughed. Finally, I got the joke. He had backed me up to within inches of the edge of the plateau surrounding the crater. Behind me was nothing but the faint outlines of distant craters. Another step back, and I would have plummeted thousands of meters to my death, but of course, Dennis stopped me. We put the camera away and just gazed down at the world below. The sky around us was a thin blue color, almost white. We weren't sure if we were in a low-hanging cloud or volcanic smoke, probably both. Many meters below, we, we knew Luca waited next to his car. Somewhere in the distance was Zafarana, preserved and protected by its benefactress, the Blessed Mother, and far away was Savoka, the godfather town. But here, where we stood, perched on a crater of an active volcano, it was quiet, and the air smelled faintly of sulfur, marijuana, and something else, some fragrant desert plant like eucalyptus or mimosa. It was quite something. It was like being in heaven, and we wondered why on earth we'd been so afraid. You've been listening to season one of There She Goes, a storytelling podcast created by two women travelers and recorded from their homes in Alabama and Louisiana. Our theme music is a selection from the song City of Refuge, created and performed by Abigail Washburn. Special thanks to Jay Burgess for engineering. Thanks to all our wonderful writers who made season one possible by bringing their voices to There She Goes and proving how essential women's stories are. And thanks to you, our listeners, for coming along. The podcast is taking a summer vacation. So whether you're home or traveling, we hope you'll seize the opportunity to catch up on season one and stamp your new There She Goes passport with stories from Louisiana, India, Greece, Thailand, Bashan Island, Uganda, Switzerland, France, Suriname, Paraguay, Guyana, French Guiana, Iran, Ireland, Indonesia, and Sicily. We look forward to traveling with you again in the fall. Until then, thanks again for listening to There She Goes. <laughs>